Today's episode of the Fantasy Football Podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by World Central Kitchen. Their relief team is working across America to safely distribute individually packaged fresh meals in communities that need support. They're now serving tens of thousands of meals daily in some of our biggest cities like New York and L.A., and they're launching initiatives across America to deliver fresh, hot meals to hospitals and clinics, fighting on the front lines while keeping local restaurants in business as well. You can directly help the heroes and hospitals and clinics who are fighting for us, and you can help keep your local restaurants alive. Please go to theringer.com slash WCK to donate. We're trying to raise $250,000. And if you have the means, it's an unbelievably great and useful cause that helps our hospital heroes, emergency workers, and local restaurants. Please, give whatever you can. The money goes directly to World Central Kitchen, and it's a charitable donation. Once again, that is theringer.com slash WCK. On the Ringer NFL Show, on the Ringer Podcast Network. My name is Danny Heifetz, and I am joined as always by my co host and my co Danny, the hero we need and the analyst we deserve, the Dark Knight himself, Danny Kelly. <laughs> How are you doing, DK? Oh man, it's been way too long since uh, since we've had that intro. So I've been raring uh, to go. <laughs> I'm doing really well, man. We made it. We did it. We got through the draft. <laughs> How you feeling? I'm I'm feeling, man. A lot of feels. How was your draft? This is your time of the year, man. You're, it you're was flourishing. great, man. It was so much fun. Um, it surprisingly kind of went off without a hitch. Like the draft felt like relatively normal, minus all the Zoom meetings and stuff. But um, some really, really, really exciting landing spots on the fantasy landscape. So, like especially with the running back position, just like exciting, exciting stuff. So, yeah, I'm really um, I'm glad it's over, though. Craig, how are you doing? How was your draft? My draft was good. I'm happy that all this BS is over. Now we can really get to the meat and potatoes of football, <laughs> which is like, yeah. how many points are these going to are these guys going to score on my team? Well, I was going to say the opposite. I feel like this was low key the corniest sports story of all time because what? every coach and executive on all 32 teams basically said, "I rediscovered that spending time with my family is important and they all found like the inner love and peace that is actually the, the point of like every sports movie i'm feeling the opposite i just want to spend time with you guys not my family you know wow. <laughs> <laughs> also yeah, I'm, I'm gonna start scheduling these shows at like 7 a.m just to see if you'll still yell with your family asleep the next year oh. over <laughs> i know he's in, on the east coast craig that means we're gonna have to get up at four well then, we'll go. I'll push it late. We'll go like like nine p.m. Pacific. There we go. That's what you I'm know? talking about. If you think that I have a sleep cycle, that is, please, my sleep Hi, cycle. When are you going is, to bed now? I'm saying my I, guess is like one forty-five. Time is not a fixed construct. <laughs> Time's a societal invention to keep the herd on the same page. But never mind. That's the West World bleeding into football. Anyway, <laughs> today we're going to look at the draft with fantasy lens. We're going to focus on big ticket. Running back picks that could drastically alter the fantasy football landscape. I imagine we're also going to argue about whether the, any of the rookie receivers matter, but that's for later. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I wanted to just, before we dive in, I wanted to just pull one quote from Andy Reid that he said, obviously, that the Chiefs used the last pick of the first round to take the first pick, the first running back of the whole draft with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And I love one thing he mentioned. He said, you can't do it with just one guy in today's football. So we've got a whole lot of these guys now. And I thought that that was just, it was nice. to Obviously, we know that running backs have gone from guys getting three, 400 carries a year to splitting the backfield. But I love to hear him just so succinctly say it. Like, it's, it can't be done. And he's the reigning Super Bowl champion coach. So, DK, how has rookie running backs kind of changed for you? How is it now versus how it used to be with just analyzing these guys, not just for their skill sets, but now we have to look at their roles and projecting rookies for roles into the season. Yeah, it's just it, there's very few true bell cow backs, I think, in the NFL these days. Now, I think, you know, guys like Clyde Edwards-Lair, Jonathan Taylor, like they're going to be clearly the workhorse backs, I think, in their teams. But it's just different from the old days, you know, that, you know, you're still splitting reps with guys. You're potentially coming off the field on passing downs for some of these guys. Um, 
So it, it's it's somewhat similar to the the receiver position where there's just more guys to choose from, but at the same time, it's harder to parse. I think like exactly how these guys are going to be used and how effective they'll be week in and week out. Um, we had a couple uh, running backs chosen this weekend, like Zach Moss, who who's going to eat into you know what we thought were established running backs kind of like roles last year with Devin Singletary. And so, yeah, it just kind of clouds everything and it it makes it a little bit more difficult to kind of figure out who's going to be featured each week. Well, we do nothing on this podcast if not parse. So we're going to do some parsing. (laughs) I think we're going to go into some skill sets and then just how these guys fit. So first up, starting with the man himself, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, which the first thing we've decided is, you know, what are we calling him? Because we can't say Edwards-Alaire every time. So I vote Clyde. Apparently that's what Patrick Mahomes just texted Brett Veach, the GM of the Chiefs. Brett Veach was like, hey, Pat, who do you want? He just texted Clyde. I vote we call him Clyde for the rest of time. There's no other Clyde Edwards. I'm okay with Clyde Edwards. Clyde. I like Clyde's a one name thing. But anyway, we'll 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 figure that over time. Yeah. DK, everyone in the world, they're saying Clyde. Great fit in the Chiefs. Why is that? (laughs) Uh, Well, first of all, he's very, very good in the passing game, which I think is the reason the Chiefs decided to make him a first round pick, um, or at least among the reasons that they did. He's one of the best route runners in this class, if not the best route runner at the running back position, he like legitimately breaks people off as a route runner. He gets separation. You don't see that a ton as a, as a running back. I mean, guys that can legitimately separate. So um, he's very, very reliable as a pass catcher. He's very, very elusive in the open field. Um, just brings a ton of upside in, in that area of the field. I think he's also good as like a runner. Like he could be, a foundational running back in the NFL. He's a little bit on the small side at 207 pounds, but he's really compact, really <laughs> elusive. Compact's a great. I yeah, love compact. He's just a, a compact way. dude. I think he's like 5'8", 207, so, or 5'7", 207. So he, he's short. You can't see him behind the line. That makes him a little bit more elusive, I think. So anyways, it, it's just a perfect fit in terms of style um, with the Chiefs offense that spreads people out, get their backs involved in the passing game. Andy Reid has always been... Uh, big on that, you know, going back throughout his history, he's always got his uh, guys involved in the screen game and, you know, even lining up outside. He, in fact, I was just reading over at fantasypoints.com, uh, Graham Barfield had him with, he lined up outside 35% of the time. Uh, Graham Barfield or Clyde Edwards Alaire? Uh, Clyde Edwards Alaire. So Clyde lined <laughs> at up LSU. outside. So I meant to mention he played at LSU. Obviously, LSU had the record-breaking best offense in like college football history. Yeah, so he said, so per Barfield, <laughs> only six running backs have been split out as a receiver, so like out in the slot or outside, on more than 20% of their routes um, over the last five years. And those are Marlon Mack, Clyde, McCaffrey, Josh Jacobs, CJ Proceis, and Alvin Kamara. So wow. um, he, he's in a, like a select group of guys that can really like line up and run routes as receivers. And so that's, that's really important because obviously Kareem Hunt in 2017, he ended up being the rushing champion, but also ended up being a top three, top five running back. I forget. But one of the reasons was that he was so good running those routes. Yep. yep. And as a slot receiver, just running from the backfield, he would run those seams up the middle of the field like he was a true like fourth receiver on the field. So yep. do you yep. see similarities between what LSU is doing and just in terms of spacing and what he just fits in with the, what the Chiefs do in terms of spacing? Because obviously Mahomes thought he was a good fit. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, when it, with LSU, they had uh, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson. They had guys downfield that really kind of stretched the defense thin. The Chiefs absolutely have that. And they're, they're defined by their speed. They're defined by their ability to scheme up guys in space, get, get you know, guys open in space and, and picking up yards after catch. So um, I have a ton of faith that Andy Reid is going to be able to, to scheme up really fun stuff for Clyde and get him to be a very productive back. Now, He's probably going to end up having to play a little bit of a, a committee with Damian Williams. I think Damian yeah. Williams is a good back as well. And early on in the season, especially as a rookie, um, it could take him a little while, I guess, to get up to steam. We saw that last year with some of the rookie backs, like Miles Sanders. You know, didn't really get a full time job until like halfway through the season. That well, and now we might have a potentially limited training camp. Like we don't really exactly know how this yeah. is all going to go. So it's like I, I was wondering what position suffers the most and suffers the least from the lack of of training camp. I would say receivers in their connection with their quarterback probably suffer the most and running backs might be able to get away with it a little bit. Yeah. That's what that's absolutely what I would say. It's it's just so much more complex with receivers and when you think about it and it's it's not quite as drastic these days with the way the offenses are designed but like receivers have to be in the right spot at the right time. The timing precision required as a receiver 
um, is a lot more, I guess, just complex than what running backs have to do. So, um, yeah, I think he has a good chance to be like a contributor from day one. Yeah, I think he'll he'll have more of a chance to be like an elite running back down the stretch than maybe he does like right away early in the season. It kind of sucks because I feel like most of the running backs drafted in this draft are just immediately a part of a committee now. And maybe Clyde is like the guy who's going to get the most touches because behind him is only Damian Williams and Darwin Thompson. Yeah. I, you know, this is kind of a tough break for Damian Williams. I mean, he wasn't bad last year. He was injured a little bit, but when he played, he was relatively productive. I think he was yeah. the only running back ever or maybe player ever in the Super Bowl to have 100 yards rushing and a receiving and rushing touchdown. Damian Williams now, scored two touchdowns in the final three minutes of the goddamn Super Bowl and his brother and was tweeting that he should have been like, the MVP. I don't know what else the guy has to fucking yeah, do. Yeah, I think, but I mean, before the before last season, Craig, you were the one kind of beating the drum that Damian Williams has never really had a huge workload. He kind of yeah, did have 13 carries. He had never had more in a game, but I mean, he's still productive. So I'm saying, do you keep him under 13 carries still and give him like eight or nine and give Clyde 15? And that's how the, the Chiefs run their offense. Probably makes sense. So pra practically speaking, what happens with the Chiefs backfield reading the tea leaves here is I think it's now a two-man group mostly with Williams and, Cl and at Clyde. And then behind him, it's, I mean, LaShawn McCoy is already gone from the team. I think he's gone from the NFL. Uh, you've got Darrell Williams probably gets cut or Darwin Thompson gets cut. The other one just becomes the fourth back. They've got DeAndre Washington, but it's really just going to be those two dudes. And I think we've seen so much about how the Chiefs running back is like, an unbelievable fantasy position to have, but it's been a couple of years since we've had a steady person there. So do you guys think that he is the most like it just forget dynasty for a second, like just for the 20, for the next season, is this the first rookie you want to draft? Like, is this the guy that you would take in the second, maybe third round? And you're like, I'm willing to bet that he becomes a starter. He's going to start for my team. Like every week, probably blow up. Yeah. Uh, easily for me, uh, by, by kind of like a landslide. Um, and it's it's partly because of the draft capital. You know, they picked him in the first round. That tells you something. It's partly because he's tethered to Patrick Mahomes, who is almost guaranteed to be a very good offense. You're going to be scoring a lot of touchdowns. You're going to be putting up a lot of yards. That's just good fantasy. And then thirdly, like, just with the history of Andy Reid's offenses, the way he uses his running backs. I saw this stat per Scott Barrett. Reid's running back one has finished top eight in fantasy points per game in 12 of the last 16 seasons. That's 75%. So he gets his backs involved, especially in PPR leagues. Um, so yeah, he's to me the easy number one running back after all this. As, as, as the dust has settled, he's the clear number one running back at the rookie class. He's probably going to end up being like a late third round pick, right? In 12 team drafts. Maybe even earlier. I think that's about, you I think? Think that's about right. Yeah. I think some people probably reach for him a little bit. Like you could see him going late second, but I would say the sweet wow. spot, if he's still there in the third, like I would be comfortable doing it there. I think that's about right. I also just enjoy that he went from 15 to 0 champion LSU to the defending Super Bowl champion. I know. It's not what, bad. It's just what Blessed a life, existence. What a, life, nice. what a year yeah. for Clyde. Um, he's the only one having a good 2020. Uh, okay, <laughs> let's get to the next one. All right. J.K. Dobbins went to the Baltimore Ravens. This was such a freaking grown man. Like Mallory Rubin, our beloved editor-in-chief was just i don't want to be like annoying i think i might get fired but she was just like jk dobbins i want jk dobbins and then the ravens got jk dobbins and yeah. it was just like god damn it man so i like i don't know if you guys heard ravens are good at running the ball mm. literally had the most rushing yards in nfl history last year also low-key had the most yards per carry since the super in the super bowl era wow so but they have mark ingram and gus edwards so one dk how good is jk dobbins I think he's really good um, to start out with. It, it, are you you wanted me to talk about kind of his fit in the offense or just who he is as a player? Start with who he is as a player. Yeah. So number one, he's kind of a downhill guy um, between the tackles is like a slasher. He's very, very fast, very quick. He has that home run hitting speed. He didn't test at the combine, but we know he can run fast. Like he ran a four, four something and coming out of high school. So it's not like he's slow. I just think he's, he's a big play waiting to happen. And he is elusive enough in the short area to make people miss. Um, yeah, he's just he's he's just a very solid. Again, he's like a compact little guy. Like he, he you can't see him behind the line. All of a sudden, he's he's through there and he, he's out in the open field, kind of deal. Um, and then moving to his actual fit, like this is to me the best fit of a running back and a offense in the Why? draft. Like in, in terms yeah, well, of... Are you talking about football-wise or fantasy-wise? Football well, yeah, because there's... So let's start with football for a second. Like, there's a... The offense fit, Mark Ingram is just turned 30. Happy birthday to him. And then 
Gus Edwards, Gus the bus, is a free agent at the end of next year. Now, the Ravens, I think, were the second team in NFL history with three dudes to 700 rushing yards. So I get, like, not long-term, medium-term, that J.K. Dobbins might be great to take over this backfield in 2021 or whatever. But, like, do you see him getting enough carries to be starting for fantasy teams this season? No, that's not what I really meant. So, like, I think he'll be a factor as a rookie. I think he'll be, like you said, a part of that rotation. I'm guessing they'll probably use Ingram quite a bit still early on, um, kind of work him in. Um, what I meant was, like, schematically, his skill set in that offense is, like, perfect. The way that he runs, the style of run he brings, um, he's a shotgun back. He did this at Ohio State. They have they create a lot of space uh, with their blocking scheme and just their ability to kind of like hold defensive players on the outside. Um, so he like a lot of his big runs you see in college were just like kind of through these big holes. And so there was some concern coming into the league that he's a downhill runner, but he doesn't have a ton of size to be like a between the tackles grinder. So like if he would have landed on a team like say you know, the Jaguars where you're running him into the back of his offensive line 30 times a game. Like that's just not conducive to his shots out Lenny Forns. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but with the Baltimore Ravens, this is the perfect scheme for him. It's shotgun based. They create a ton of really big lanes. This is why they led the NFL in yards per carries because the, what the, what Lamar Jackson can do in terms of the, the read option mesh point, what he, how he holds defenders on the backside of run plays it naturally creates these cutback lanes and in, in, in these big gaps in the offensive line just because offenses have to, or defenses have to respect what, what Lamar can do as a runner. So long story short is, is he's going to get a lot of really nice openings in the offensive line. And he like that slashing style is perfect. I think he's going to have just a lot of really big runs. And but so Lamar, I think, but Lamar's vulturing touchdowns, you've got Mark Ingram playing, maybe yeah. Gus the bus, Craig's beloved Gus the bus, Craig nicknamed Gus the bus actually. And then, no, so I hate Gus the bus because Jerome, oh, is that how it is? is? <laughs> oh, I could have swore you, you nicknamed him. That's, Wait, that's so this is basically what I'm hearing. JK Dobbins is just fresh new Mark Ingram. And it's yeah. just it's just the Mark Ingram for the rest of Lamar Jackson's career because Mark Ingram is 30, although it feels like he's not slowing down. He's like the Gray's Anatomy of running backs. He's just doing the same thing every goddamn year. But Gray's Anatomy just, has evolved wow. over time. They're not doing the same saying, thing every year. How many year? years of Gray's Anatomy are we going to do? We just turn Reinvented it into a soap opera. Re- you write <laughs> 16 seasons or something. Just turn it into a soap opera. Daytime soap. How anyway. I have yeah, zero it, takes on Gray's Anatomy. My point is, DK, my question to you, DK, is... <laughs> I get that he's a good fit, but for this yeah. season, is he like a top hundred pick to you? Because do you, like I, I'm curious oh. about, like like that's my concern. Is he anything, anything more than an end of a bench flyer? I mean, I, I think he's closer to a bench flyer than maybe like a top twenty four pick. But I would say he's certainly going to be involved. I don't think they they took him where he they took him, and they're not going to get him involved as a rookie. But I think his upside is capped a little bit. Um, yeah, but. Eli Manning was involved with the Giants' season last year. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay, so like I would say maybe he gets like what, like ten to twelve carries a game. Like you can get fantasy. That's a lot. Okay, yeah, that is right. a lot that's, because that's I mean, how are you going to parse that out? Mark Ingram gets fifteen. Gus gets like five. I mean, that's yeah, already that's, thirty carries. I, I wouldn't say I, I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't pencil in Gus for a ton of carries. Okay, uh, so let's, you know who's a big loser here is Justice Hill. I, yeah. I think a lot of the losers in this in this drafted on this pod when we talk about it are all these second year running backs who everyone thought was going to be good who whose teams then drafted another running back like Justice Hill we were kind of all like ooh what could Justice Hill be and we'll get to this later but Daryl Henderson's another guy where we thought yeah. he was the next Alvin Kamara and then they draft Cam Akers like there's a lot of these second round RBs who just kind of fell by the wayside it's a good reminder the only constant is change um, in life but football especially ultimately ultimately with Dobbins I am willing to take him in a, in a in a redraft league, I'm not going super early on him just because of everything we talked about with the the situation. Dynasty speaking, like he's a home run. That landing spot is a home run. Craig, like what you mentioned, once Ingram retires or they move on from him, he's going to be a big big factor in that offense. And I think he has just because of the scheme, the ability to go ham there. So I feel like um, a home run yeah. is actually a landing spot. Not to mix with your analogy, technically, right? What? Well, you said landing spot's a home run. I think a home run is a landing spot, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> moving okay. on. Indianapolis Colts took Jonathan Taylor. Mm-hmm. The old Butterfingers. Wisconsin. I just, <laughs> real quick. Butter, yeah, Butterfingers McGee. No, Jonathan Taylor. I just want to put some respect on his name real quick. Jonathan Taylor broke Adrian Peterson's freshman 
rushing yards record for the entirety of Division One college football. He is, and one of the more impressive stats you'll hear, he is one of seven running backs in FBS history with more than 6,000 rushing yards. Only Jeez. due to do it in three seasons instead of four. So shout out Jonathan Taylor. The flip yeah. side of that, the guy who has the most rushing yards in, NFL, in college football history is Ron Dane. Also went to Wisconsin. Did not have a good NFL career. Yeah. Person with the second most rushing touchdowns in the in FPS history is Monte Ball. Monty also Ball. went to Wisconsin. Didn't had a worse NFL career than Ron Dane. So my question to you, DK, is what is the difference between Jonathan Taylor and every other record setting Wisconsin <laughs> back and why is he going to be good in football? Well, for for starters, they're different people. They're different humans with different yeah. DNA and different <laughs> skills. They just wore the same helmet. Yeah. So there's yeah, like this there is, scouting there's a cliche. history of running backs from these offensive line factories in the Big Ten. So yeah. uh, no, I get, I get that. Melvin Gordon yeah. went to Wisconsin, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, that's my point. I mean, he's pretty good. Dude, Melvin Gordon's been a really good fantasy asset. <laughs> yeah, what career. are you talking about? So, Danny, to answer your question, I, that, that's a legitimate concern I think that a lot of people have. Like, that offensive line is a factor. However, like, he's just a different cat. He's 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 very, very fast. He's not Ron Dane. He's a 4-3-9 guy. Um, he is a track. Like, he's, like, got track speed legitimately at 228 pounds. Um, he is, he's, he's got enough elusiveness in, in like the short area. Like he has very quick feet to make guys miss. I wouldn't say he's like, you know, he's not like a jump cut kind of guy like Adrian Peterson, but he has the feet to elude tacklers and make guys miss. Um, and yeah, he's just a very talented runner. Like he's, his, his running style is, um, a good fit in the NFL. Like he's not just like, you know, a, a, a big beefy guy that had the benefit of having, a good offensive line in college. So, where does he um, rank out of the rookie RBs this year, just for next year, from a fantasy standpoint? Just for twenty twenty, I, I think he's he would be the easy RB two behind Clyde Edwards-Helaire. I just think, especially in the landing spot, you know, you can't count on the Colts necessarily to keep producing a, a top tier offensive line indefinitely. So, maybe that's like a little bit of a, a, a downgrade in terms of you know his dynasty value, but. I mean, landing spot in 2020 is dope. Like, he's he's going to be running behind that really good offensive line. They were one of the best offense lines in the NFL last year. I think they're going to protect Phillip Rivers by having a very balanced offense, having a lot of running and, and you know, using him in the check down area. So his his the big question mark with him, again, is his ability to catch out of the backfield. He didn't do it a lot. Um, yeah. In, at Wisconsin, he had some drops. He, he just didn't look natural at it, but... That doesn't mean he can't do it, and that doesn't mean he can't just be like a dump-off guy. It's I don't not think that he's he can't do routes. it. I think the issue is that you've got, in that backfield, you've got Marlon Mack. So, I mean, just to be clear, I mean, I think that Frank Reich, the head coach of the Colts, said that we envision them as a one-two punch. Now, they can say stuff whatever they want, whether they keep Marlon Mack or not. I mean, Bill Barnwell had Marlon Mack as a trade candidate. I think that's about right. Uh, mm-hmm. So, obviously, Taylor is way higher if they end up trading Marlon Mack. But I think the issue is that Naheem Hines has kind of locked down that pass-catching role on third down. And I think that's really the question to me is like, is Taylor, does he have enough of the dropsies? And he also had, like, does he have enough of the dropsies that it's a concern? And also there's fumbling concerns. So he, in theory, has a really good chance to be the Josh Jacobs of this year, so to speak. I mean, he's not going to be quite Josh Jacobs. Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb. That's probably a better one. Yeah. And so are you, you going to be disappointed you if you get Nick Chubb? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think like, yeah, maybe third, fourth rounder, because I do think they don't trade up. You don't trade up into the second round on a win now team because they're going all in to win this year and the next year kind of kind of deal with Philip Rivers. They think they have the roster for it. Um, so I, I, I personally just don't think you do that uh, to not have him heavily, heavily featured in your offense. And... In addition to that, I think he's a massive upgrade in talent over everything they have in that in that backfield. Um, you know, there's there's been a few outliers, I would say, where you have these situations where you trade up for a guy early in the round, early in, in the early rounds, and then he doesn't become like a big part of the offense. Like Darrell Henderson last year, I guess would be. Or um, what's his name? The guy on the Seahawks? Yeah, Rashad Penny. Yeah, that's the one. I don't that's think it's. One. I don't think this is going to be that kind of situation. Um, <laughs> so. I think that those are more outliers than than like what you'd expect. And I think Taylor has the talent and he's a good fit in that scheme. He's a good fit in that offense. I think he has pretty good upside in year one. Beautiful. Okay. Let's take a quick break and then let's go through the rest of these running backs and get to some receivers. As the novel coronavirus pandemic escalates in the U.S., 
Public health officials are encouraging those who are experiencing signs or symptoms of COVID-19, such as coughing or fever, to seek medical guidance remotely. If you or a loved one are feeling sick or are just feeling worried, there is a way to get help without leaving home. Roe is offering free telehealth services for people seeking guidance and information on COVID-19. The service is available free of charge in all 50 states and Washington, D.C. Roe's free online assessment will help determine if you are at risk and, if appropriate, Roe will connect you with a medical provider for a free consultation. The assessment was designed by doctors and infectious disease experts and is based on guidelines from the CDC and the World Health Organization. Visit roco slash coronavirus on your phone or laptop to complete a free online assessment or just to learn more. If you're worried that you may be experiencing symptoms, go to roco slash coronavirus to start your free assessment today. That's roco slash coronavirus. At-home fitness is more popular than ever now. People are trying all kinds of new activities, like online fitness classes, running outside, and more. But more importantly, how are you monitoring your health during this time as you adapt to new routines? Whoop is the fitness tracker that provides 24-7 personalized data into your body's activities, sleep, and overall recovery. Unlike other trackers out there, it's going to tell you when to push and when to rest. So you'll know if you're ready to crush a body pump class or if it's okay to stay in bed and check out the latest mock draft. Right now, it could not be more important to have a product like the Whoop Fitness Tracker, especially since it tracks respiratory rate, which could signal potential illness in the body. Whoop is the best fitness and sleep monitor tracker out there. It accurately measures things like heart rate variability, resting heart rate, sleep, recovery, and cardiovascular strain and has been validated by third-party studies for accuracy. Have you ever wondered how much sleep you might be losing when you're refreshing Twitter for NFL news right before bed? You can track that behavior and more with Whoop and sleep better with personalized insights to strengthen your immune system. Optimize your sleep and performance with Whoop. Train smarter and don't get out of shape while you're stuck at home. For our listeners, Whoop is offering 15% off with the code NFL show at checkout. Go to whoop, that's W H O O P.com, W H O O P.com, and enter NFL show at checkout to save 15%. Sleep better, recover faster, and train smarter. Optimize your performance with whoop. Okay. Back to running backs from the draft and how they fit with their teams. DK, we've got Georgia's DeAndre Swift drafted by the Lions in the second round. It's the second year in a row, or sorry, it's the second time in three years the Lions have taken a running back in the second round after they traded up with for Carrion Johnson in 2017. Who's so, 22 years old, by the way. Who's 22. So, DK, how does, tell us a little bit about DeAndre Swift's game and then how do you think he's going to fit in with this Lions team for fantasy? Swift is a very balanced runner. Like he, he's got the size and um, I guess like surprising a power to break tackles and things like that as a runner in between the tackles. But he's also very good in the passing game. If he's not the best pass catching back in this draft, it's between him and Edwards Alaire. Just very, very solid pass catcher. I think that's going to be a big part of his game in the pros. So I'm sure that's why they liked him a lot. His ability to do kind of both things. However, he comes into a situation kind of like Dobbins where you just really don't know how the rotation is going to work out. Um, they have on Johnson, as you're saying. They've got uh, Bo Scarborough, who they apparently still kind of like. is like a goal line type, type back, maybe a short yardage type back. So indications, at least right now, are that it's going to be a bit of a committee. And so I, I saw this per the Athletics' Chris Burke. Bob Quinn was quick to mention that the Lions view Swift as a different kind of back than Carrion Johnson, and they complement each other very well. They both should be on the field a lot, although Swift's ability in the passing game might tip the scales in his direction. Don't sleep on Scarborough either. So what what Burke is saying is it doesn't look, at least right now, like it's going to be Swift's like backfield 100%. It's going to be like a like a 1B or 1A, 1B type thing, maybe with him and Carrion. Um but you never know just because Carrion's had injury issues. I don't think Scarbo is a guy that necessarily is going to eat into a lot of that workload. Um, for 2020, 
I probably would rank Swift above Dobbins just because he's likely to get more carries. Um, but it's really close. And I don't know. It, it's just one of those things where he was kind of the RB1 or at least the 1B between, behind Taylor coming into the to, to the draft. And I think he drops down quite a bit just because yeah. of the landing spot. Well, Carrion's played 18 games in two years. And yeah, yeah. both of the seasons been ended with a knee injury. And so the thought, you know, if he were to get hurt, well, first of all, if he stays healthy, then DeAndre Swift could catch passes. But if he gets hurt, the issue is he might not even be the feature back because he never had. Evan Silva pointed out Swift's never had more than average of 15.1 touches per game in college. So right. you can spin that as a positive or a negative that, oh, he's got tread on the tires. But in reality, it's like, okay, well, can you handle more touches at the NFL level? So I don't think, I think he's an exciting player and this is not an exciting landing spot. And I'm super not, not happy about this. And I'm kind of out on the lines backfield. It feels a little bit like he may get overdrafted by people based on his talent. Craig, you're furring your brow. Do you agree or disagree? I actually think Carrion is like extremely talented. So this, I'm kind of worried that DeAndre Swift is just going to become like more of the like four catches a game for 40 yards and gets like four carries if Carrion stays healthy, which is going to be fine. But I also think DeAndre Swift is like one of the most exciting running backs in the draft. So I don't know. It's like maybe the Lions really utilize this and turn it into a Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler situation. Like, you know? I think the issue yeah. is Johnson's not great in the passing game, even though you would hope that, that he could fix that and that. It's not a tip of the hand, but I think that ultimately versatility is important. I think Matt Patricia values it. They also took Jason Huntley in the fifth round, who is a patch pass catching running back, <laughs> like a really, really fast pass catching running back. So it's muddled to me. I don't know. You know, fifth round pick is necessarily not necessarily going to move the needle for a guy like Swift. But I mean, look, this is this is a pass first offense. They're taking deep shots. When I'm going shopping in Detroit, I want. Kenny Galladay and things. I don't think I'm. Look, I, I'm not a fan of this backfield, and we'll see if that changes over the summer. But yeah, another one that is really interesting. Uh, the Rams took Florida State's Cam Akers. Uh, yeah, my yeah. God, Cam Akers. First of all, DK Cam Akers, fast dude. Am I right? Yeah, I love Akers. Really twitched up athlete. Really, really good running back. This is a great fit in theory. I have questions about the fact that they chose him with their first pick of the draft. I think that's a little bit weird considering all their other needs, but yeah, the first of the, it was shocking because the Rams have gotten up. I think they took Jared Goff with the first pick in 2016. I don't think they have another first rounder literally from the Goff pick to 2022 because of the Jalen Ramsey trade and Brandon cooks and all these things. So it's wild that they took a running back a year after they took Daryl Henderson in the third round. They obviously cut Traded Todd Gurley. For him. Yeah. So the it's next like Alvin Kamara. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So if it's right. like if chaos is a ladder, then there's chaos in this backfield. And if there's one, I swear to God, if there's an advantage K makers has to me, it's one he played with a shitty offensive line at Florida State. No offense to Florida State, a little offense. So, uh, and the Rams offensive line was bad last year. though know, it got a little better as it wore on. And I also think he can block. I'm sorry. It's my favorite thing about rookie running backs. You can't get on the field unless you can block. Jared Goff is a statue. They need guys to block in that backfield. I think straight up. We met Craig, you asked before about like what is the parts of like missing these OTAs and things that will keep players off the field or running backs? Blocking. You have to know your assignments. K Makers was a good blocker at Florida State. He like, and I think that actually matters a lot to early playing time. And I think that he's only competing with Daryl Henderson and Malcolm Brown really here. I mean, John Kelly to an extent. So I think that K Makers could I would not be surprised if he was uh, an early contributor and the combination DK, of speed and blocking. Can he catch huge. passes? Yeah. I think he's he's relatively natural in the past game. Um, is he? I really, feel like he's sleeper for best RB first year in fantasy. I was gonna say like the more I'm thinking about this, the more I'm looking at it, I'm more willing to. I, I feel like I'd be more willing to grab Acres in the same range that Swift is probably gonna go. So, yeah, like, I'd probably rather lean Acres um, because like look on one hand, the offensive line for the Rams last year took a massive step back from where they were the year before. Um, the run game suffered clearly, but on the other hand, I mean, you're still getting a ton of, you're still getting a ton of goal line like runs. That's why Gurley finished as the RB 14 last season in, in PPR. Um, the, I will say like the much lesser version of Todd Gurley that we're used to. So getting a guy with fresh legs, like acres in there, like really explosive player. Um, it, yeah. I mean, just to, I think on the explosive thing. You're the one who pointed out to me that. I mean, for all the talk about forty-yard dashes, and Jonathan. Yeah, didn't Taylor. he like beat Cam or beat Jonathan Taylor in some metric? Yeah, he had a forty-yard dash time as the fastest at the position. But Cam Akers' ten-yard split was faster than Jonathan Taylor, right, DK? Yeah, that's according to uh, the Athletics Draft Guide by Dane Brugler. Um, I'm in. It I'm was all like, in on Cam Akers. Like, that's one, insane. It was like one point four nine, which is like absurd and unheard of. 
obviously the zero to 10 yards is more important than the 10 to 40. So it's kind of amazing. Yeah. It's not the 10 yard dash to begin with, but I'm kind of, I'm kind of into, I'm, I'm on the acres train. I think this year a lot more than I would be maybe like with Swift or Dobbins. At, How many people are going to name their teams movers and acres in, t- in 2020? Just you. <laughs> Just me. Okay. All right. Well, I'm, that was, that I'm was moving. Fine. Well, I'm moving along. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They drafted Keyshawn Vaughn out of yep. Vanderbilt. Yep. So this one's interesting. Um, Wait, no, gonna, can, can we just dwell for one second on yeah. after everything that's happened in this year? Can you imagine just being some dude who was the running back at Vanderbilt and then you're getting a phone call like, hey, Tom Brady is going to hand you the football. <laughs> what a fucking yeah. out of body experience that must know, have been right? for this guy. <laughs> this guy's having a good 2020 also. It, th- this one's very interesting to me because I've, I've been kind of just monitoring and watching the post-draft hype of all these running backs. And Vaughn's hype is lo- legitimately like out of control. Um, <laughs> some people have him like as the RB two in this class for 2020. I'm not quite willing to go there. I do think he'll he'll have a role, and um, his upside in that offense is certainly good because if he gets the three down role, I mean you got Tom Brady throwing him passes. You got um, you know the, there's so many good weapons in that offense that it could open up like run lanes for him just because defenses are going to be stretched thin in the passing game. Um, that said to me, like he was, he was more on the Jag spectrum when it comes to uh, uh, like explosion and wiggle and pure talent as a runner. Like he just and Jag is just another guy. Wiggle. Just, Tom Brady, yeah, the TB 12 yeah. loves wiggle. You know, Brady's going to love anyone who has wiggle, you know, the pliability, but that's the thing. I don't think he has that, that much wiggle. Like he, he's Ugh, just, tough. he's a downhill workman. Like guy kind of reminds me a little bit of Damian Lewis from the, uh, from the, for the, Patriots last year, just like a pickup truck back. That's the kind of like my my go to cliche. Is he, just, he just Ronald Jones? And that's the thing is like everyone hates Ronald Jones, but <laughs> Ronald Jones is still there, you know. And they're in theory, they're still going to be sharing. Does he you know, do his job and everything? He does his job. He wow. certainly does his job. Like I'm not saying he's a bad runner or he's like a bad player. Well, the thing about the Bucks is obviously they have such a chasm at running back they're like the only team that before the draft which is like who the fuck is going to play that i'm cursing so much now my emma's going to be really mad at me uh but you know you got ronald jones who had a disastrous rookie year and was fine last year i mean peyton barber i think he's in washington now so it's it, that was the only really backfield situation where like what's going to go on and then obviously tom brady not that he needs to play with a certain type of running back but he has played with a certain type of running back for a while which is one kind of version of Legarrette Blunt and then one version of I was going to say Austin Eckler who's never played for James Patriots, White but and yet yeah James White and I don't know if Vaughn's either so I think it's just interesting because we don't know how this is going to work in this offense where really Brady's going to need a check down and we also just don't know what they're going to do with this high-flying offense that's sling- where James Winston's been slinging the ball downfield and Bruce Arians has always had someone slinging downfield and we're like all right well Brady's arm is how old is Brady now 75 <laughs> So I think there's a lot of questions here, but I mean, yeah, I think the the main one is, do you see him being a PPR guy? Like, could he be James White in practice, even if we don't see him that going into the draft? Yes, there it's that's on the spectrum of, of like possibilities. And that's, I think, why so many people are so excited about it. The 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 landing spot is really what's exciting for him. Um, he had a productive year, like he was a good analytical um, running back in terms of just like his production and all that stuff. Um, but to me, like, I just, I don't know. I, I didn't see it with him. I don't like, I'm not excited about him as a player. Um, but he's one of those guys in fantasy. Sometimes you have to take players like sometimes it pays off to take players that you don't think are like really good players, but they just are in the right system where they're going to get volume. That's the, that's where I put Vaughn. Um, so I'm not, def- I'm not like saying don't take him, but to me, I'm probably just not going to have a ton of, I'm just probably not going to have a ton of shares of him because I think people are going to be so excited about him. He's going to go a little earlier than I feel comfortable, but um, it is a very good landing spot for him in terms of just that offense is probably going to be good. Um, He doesn't have an elite back in front of him. Ronald Jones could end up being the backup. So he could end up being the starter in year one. So a little bit of good, a little bit of bad. I'm kind of in the middle. I'm kind of agnostic on Vaughn. I'm just probably not going to have a ton of shares on him. Okay, DK, let's go into a lightning round right now. I'm going to give you a player and a team. In one sentence, I want you to tell me about the guy, and then I'm mm-hmm. ask you about where you're going to take him. So, all right, Buffalo Bills—they drafted Zach Moss out of Utah. Utah, Utah. Tell me about Zach Moss. One sentence. Goal line bruiser. He's Frank Gore. <laughs> okay, I'm out. Will you be yeah. drafting? Him? All right, one sentence. Will you be drafting him in 2020, and why? 
No, because I think he's going to be in a committee. Fantastic. All right, Tennessee Titans. They took Darrington Evans at Appalachian State. One sentence. Why is Darren? Well, why does Darrington Evans fit in Titans, or does he? He's awesome at the wide zone run scheme. He's a slasher. He's he's an, an explosive element. I'm not taking him in drafts, at least in 2020, um, because because of Derrick Henry. <laughs> I'm in on this. <laughs> guy. That's a good answer. Washington. They drafted Antonio Gibson at a Memphis. One sentence on Antonio Gibson. Super exciting dynasty value. He's going to be a gadget player near one. Hmm. But I think he's very exciting long term. Cool. Chris Thompson? I mean, they're going to, so they labeled him a running back. This is more than one sentence. They labeled him a running back, but they've said that they're going to use him kind of all over the field. He can be a, like a slot receiver type guy. Okay. There's all these exciting things. He's an elite athlete, but I think he's got a little bit of runway before he's going to be like a good, good pro. They, I will say, Ron Rivera comped him to CMC. So. I'm, I'm done with will. comps. I'm taking the year off from comps. <laughs> After all the Daryl Henderson is Alvin Kamara. I'm, all, I'm, I, the, I'm 2020 is not a comps yeah. are out. I'm out on yeah. comps. Haskins was Tom Brady two years ago. We got all our comps out before the draft, but post draft, <laughs> no more comps. Okay. Green Bay Packers. They took AJ Dillon out of Boston College. One sentence on AJ Dillon. This sucks for Aaron Jones. <laughs> Aaron Jones, 19 touchdowns last year. Aaron Jones yeah. ain't getting the goal line carries this year, is he? That would be the indication is they want him to be the the bulldozer, the bruiser of their offense and the long-term replacement for both of these guys, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, who are, I think, both going to their their contract years. Tough. All right. Chargers took Joshua Kelly out of UCLA. Tell us about Josh Kelly. He's absolutely worth a flyer to me, just based on volume. He's a 4-4 guy, like in the mid to late fours, I think he ran, so he's like got some speed. He's going to compete with Justin Jackson for that committee type role with Austin Eckler. I think Eckler is going to be the clear lead guy in that group. Uh, but you could have legitimate, like, I don't know how many, I'm not going to guess how many carries he's going to get, but he could be a big part of that offense. Is Josh Kelly the only guy on the team over 200 pounds running back, not team <laughs> running back. How big is Justin Jackson? I actually don't know off the top of my head. Oh God, do you even do this for a living? I don't think he's like small. <laughs> Let's see. Justin Jackson. Wait, 198. Sorry, Justin. Okay. I was <laughs> wrong. I was wrong. Okay. He is small. Seahawks. DJ Dallas out of Miami. Yeah. So the only reason the only reason I included him here is because Chris Carson and Rashad Penny are still not cleared. Uh, they're still going through. Carson had a hip injury. Penny had an ACL injury. Dallas, to me, goes into the season very early on, at least, as the starter. I think he I think he has more of like a really a, a two down role, a, a early down role more than Travis Homer, who's probably going to get third down roles. This is all if you think Carson Dallas is going to start over Chris Carson to start I'm, the year. No, I'm saying, saying if they're if, not healthy, if Chris Carson oh, and Penny oh, okay. are out, <laughs> we don't have any guarantee I that neither of those guys are going to be uh, healthy by the first game. Um, because both of these guys are at least based on the projections going to start like whatever the training camp is going to be like still rehabbing their injuries. So um, that's the reason I include him here. Beautiful. Okay. You can only have one of these guys on your team and it's not Clyde. You have to pick one rookie for your team in 2020. Who is it? Uh, Josh Kelly, I think. Of the lightning round guys. He has a path towards carries. Beautiful. DK succinct. Perfect. (laughs) All right. Let's take another quick break and then go through receivers. If you thought there were no live sports this weekend, then you'd be wrong. The Arkansas Derby is running at Oaklawn Park with horses competing for a million dollars in purse money and points to qualify for this year's Kentucky Derby. TVG, a FanDuel group company, is giving you a chance to get in on the action with a $200 risk-free bet. It's the third and final leg of Oaklawn Park's Kentucky Derby prep series. It's running on May 2nd, the day which would have been the Kentucky Derby. The race has been run every year since 1936, except for 1945, and three horses, including American Pharaoh, have gone on to win the Kentucky Derby the same year. Watch the race live on NBC Sports or the TVG app. Download the TVG app or go to www.tvg.com slash ringer and place your first bet. If it doesn't win, get your money back as site credit up to $200. Age and residency restrictions apply. Go to tvg.com slash ringer for more details. Craig, we're going to pick a horse. Read me the horse names. My friend's beer. Great name. Mo Mosa. Jungle Runner, Shooter's Shoot, Wrecking Crew, Winning Impression. Who do you like? Shooter's Shoot, no question. <laughs> yeah, Shout out Shea Serrano. Yeah, love it. 
TVG offers the best online betting experience with plenty of promotions for all customers. TVG mobile app is easy to use and the best for making horse racing bets or choosing winners and watching races and winning big from the comfort of your home. Download the TVG app today or go to www.tvg.com slash ringer for a risk-free bet up to $200. That's right, $200 completely risk-free. Bet with confidence. Bet with TVG. Just download the TVG app or go to www.tvg.com slash ringer and sign up. That's www.tvg.com slash ringer. Age and residency restrictions apply. Void were prohibited by law. Must place first wager within 15 days of signing up. Refund issued as a non-withdrawable site credit that expires 30 days after receipt. Always wager responsible. See full terms and conditions at www.tvg.com slash ringer. All right, let's run through or pass through the receivers taken in this draft. I believe NFL record amount of receivers taken. There were more receivers taken in the top 25 than any time in the Super Bowl era. Just passing era has turned into a receiving era. We have enough quarterbacks, but teams can't find enough receivers. Fantasy football is increasingly becoming more about receivers, and this draft was unbelievable for it. So, the but this is crashing into a debate we've been long having on this podcast about whether rookie receivers can even contribute. I was proven wrong last year when a bunch of guys did make an impact as a rookie last year, but this year in particular is so different because there's not going to be OTAs, there's not going to be mini camps for because of the coronavirus, obviously. So. The first time these rookies are really going to meet their teammates and be showing up to practice is August. And obviously so much of the passing game is about timing and you only get the timing from repetition and practice. So DK, are you a little more down on rookie receivers this year than you usually would be? Yeah, in a word, yeah. I think, you know, there's a few guys in this class that um, I think have really easy paths to like a lot of volume, but Overall, I'm probably going to end up fading a lot of these guys in, in redraft leagues just because I think the the ramp up time could be a little bit longer than normal, like based on everything you're just saying, like just getting on the same page of quarterbacks and learning the playbook like you got to learn the playbook. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just, you know, they're not going to get the reps. They're not going to get the the chemistry building opportunities with the quarterback and and that could definitely hurt things going forward so uh, it'll probably be like the strategy will just be like let other people take the rookies i'll just take you know established veterans now there's some guys that you can't ignore justin jefferson goes into a situation where he's going to get a ton of targets all that stuff but yeah generally speaking i think it, it lowers the the ceiling for a lot of these guys that this uh because of the coronavirus kind of affecting everything you mentioned jefferson i just want to stick with him for a second i what do you think of him? Because he, I mean, he played mostly out of the slot at LSU, right? He played mostly out of the slot last season. He he did play on the outside the season before that, so he has experience on the, on the outside. Um, that is something that we'll have to see how he he transitions to the pros. Like if he can run on the outside and yeah. be effective. But yeah, how do you feel about him? Because you know, and obviously they used the pick that they traded Diggs for to get him. So. What do you see there? Because Adam Thielen played not that much in the slot last year. I think only a third of snaps in the slot. But, I mean, he had a terrible year. He was injury riddled. But when Adam Thielen was great in 17 and 18, he played more than half of snaps out of the slot. Yeah. Do you see yeah. Thielen going more to the outside? Or do you see him staying in the slot where he's been successful and Jefferson has to stay on the outside? I'm less in on Jefferson if he has to be on the outside and learn to the playing the outside at the NFL level. I'd be more interested in him if he was a slot. So what do you think he's going to be doing? It's going to be, this is a cop out a little bit, but I think they'll alternate. Um, I do think it's going to be interesting year one to see how this all goes because the the Vikings are a very heavy two tight end set team. That means you're going to have two running or two receivers on the field at some time. So, you know, does that mean he's going to have to play primarily on the outside as a rookie? That, that could be the issue. But to me, like the volume is what's interesting about this, like not necessarily his ability to adapt schematically to the offense. I just think he has a direct path to getting like a ton of volume in that offense. And yeah, I'm a little bit worried about sort of the schematic things about it, but ultimately volume ends up like kind of winning out for me in this, in this particular player. Who do you see as another high volume guy from the rookie class? 
I think Jerry Judy is going to get a lot of volume, you know, with the Broncos. Obviously, he's going to be lining up on a in an offense with Cortland Sutton, but I think they want to be um, an aggressive passing team based on everything they've done over the offseason. They add a ton of speed. They got KJ Hamler, I believe, in the second after they took Judy in the first. Judy was, per reports, their number one rated guy overall. So they love this I love guy. Judy. Um, he's going to be, I believe what he'll do is run in like the Z spot where you're, you're kind of moving around. He can play on the outside. He can play in motion. He can line up all over the formation. They're going to have Cortland Sutton be their, their big X receiver, their downfield, big like threat. And then Judy kind of all over the middle of the field, you know, kind of doing his thing. So I think he's going to get a lot of volume. They're going to try and get him heavily involved early on. He is probably the most pro ready player in terms of the receiver position in this class, just because he's such a precise route runner, he can get off the line of scrimmage. He's got great speed. Um, his hands have been a little bit iffy here and there, but I do think that he's going to be um, kind of like one of the bigger impact, early impact players in this class. Yeah. Pro ready sometimes can be such a nebulous term, but one, it's really right. clear with Judy. Like he has, he's the only guy in this class that in my opinion has the full route tree. Exactly. Um, it's polished. And that is more important this year than in the past where, you're trying to get into an offense. So, and I also just think that, I mean, Cortland Sutton had like 120 targets last year. The only other wide receiver on the Broncos that I think had more than 50 was like Deshaun Hamilton. Hamilton might get cut. So I think there's a huge amount of opportunity for Judy in this one. I think you're dead right on that yeah, one. Yeah, definitely. Uh, flip side, the guy who went before, uh, sorry, the guy went right after Judy. CeeDee mm-hmm. Lamb landed with the Cowboys. Do you see him getting volume in Dallas? Dallas had the most yards in the NFL last year. But now they're with Mike McCarthy. I do. I think, you know, it's one of those things where it's not like necessarily an ideal landing spot when it comes to fantasy. He's not going to be the number one guy in that offense, but it's good offense. You're tethered to a really good quarterback. And there's a lot of vacated targets in that passing game with uh, with Randall Cobb gone. Jason Witten's gone. Um, you know, obviously, Amari Cooper is going to be probably the number one guy, assuming for the next couple of years. But um I think they'll spread the love around. Like there's there's plenty of targets for him to go out there. A lot of def- a lot of defenses are going to be focused in on Amari Cooper and even poten- potentially Michael Gallup. So that gives CD Lamb the ability to pot- potentially line up in the slot and just get fed targets, kind of like he did. Kind of like I, I believe like Randall Cobb had like eighty something targets or something last year. So yeah, he's got he's got a direct line. He like he's another very pro ready guy in my mind. Just the way that his skill set. Um, very strong, very good after the catch. Who would you draft uh, first, Gallup or C.D. Lamb? Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, I, oh man, I guess I like just off the top of my head, I lean Gallup slightly, but I think they're right in the same range. That's so interesting to me. I, 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 I believe in Gallup all the way. I think it's not really close. I disagree with you on Lamb. I mean, I love Lamb as a pit. I mean, I hate it. I'm a Giants fan. I hate that the Cowboys got CeeDee Lamb. It pisses me off. I think he's a great real-life football player, and it's a much better real life for the Cowboys than fantasy. I think that the threat of having him, he's an improvement over Randall Cobb. But Randall Cobb had like 83 catches last year. It was kind of boring. I, I, I don't know. I mean, the Cowboys had the most yards in the NFL last year. So you could say that maybe they'll keep up and they'll actually score more points commensurately with that. But they only really have had four fantasy relevant guys. They had Pre- Dak, Zeke, Cooper, and Michael Gallup. I'm dubious that they'll be able to lead the league in yards again. And I'm dubious that they'll be able to support five re- relevant dudes. Yeah, a lot And of I'm dubious that CeeDee Lamb, like, yeah, he could surpass Michael Gallup as the number two guy in the passing game, number three on the team. So it could go Zeke, Cooper, uh, and then Lamb. But it also could be Zeke, Cooper, Gallup, Blake Jarwin, CeeDee Lamb, and he's still productive in real life, but he's not <laughs> fantasy relevant. Even if he's relevant, he's not going to be consistent. So I'm really concerned about CeeDee Lamb being like, oh yeah, play him this week. He'll produce. I think that he, if he produces, it'll be scattershot. You'll have no idea when it's happening. Gallup That's my concern has, for a lot of these. Gallup certainly has the advantage in terms of just his experience. He knows the offense. He knows Dak. Dak knows him. There's there's definitely, like I, I'd say that definitely tips the, favors, uh, tip, tips the balance in his favor. If there's one theme that I think we're going to say over and over, at least my like we always say volume is king. I think for this year, we might come continuity is king. I think that mm. teams are going to prefer stability. We saw it the first round of the draft where teams didn't trade until they got comfortable and they made all the deals on day two. Pete Carroll talks about that on Flying Coach, Flying Coach which Craig produces. And I think that you're going to see that in the NFL season too. I think that when there's so much uncertainty, you're going to go with the stability. And I think that 
every time I'm asked, I, this my answer here applies to everything the rest of the season. When I get a choice between someone who knows an offense, or at least knows his players, even if Mike McCarthy adds new concepts, and someone who's new, I'm picking the, I'm nine out of ten times I'm going to go with the guy who um, has been there. Yeah. So yeah. on that note, let's talk about Henry Ruggs, the guy yeah. who might have slipped into the the strongest number one spot out of all of these receivers, and maybe save Denzel Mims. But like, what's up with Ruggs? Like, do we like Ruggs? Are we out on Ruggs? I think I'm kind of into him now. I think I was out like three days ago. I think I'm back. <laughs> I was also out and I've talked myself into it. Because the, <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing. I we, This was the argument we had last year about do rookie receivers contribute. I feel like, what did we learn? Yes, if they're fast. Yeah, right? Like if they have no connection, right? They're not going to have these training camps to build connections. Well, it's like Derek Carr can still hit Henry Ruggs on a slant and he can take it 70 yards. Maybe we should be going after the big play guys. Deke, I have a question for you. Yeah, I don't have a, I don't have a big... I don't have like a, a big disagreement with that. I mean, we remember last year when uh, Marquise Brown had three touchdowns in week one. Yeah, like that could yeah, just be Ruggs, right? He had, he had issues with injuries, but I mean, like Ruggs is the kind of player who can really make some hay after the catch. But here's my question for you, DK. After, like, so first of all, Ruggs had like 98 catches or whatever in college. He took a quarter of them for touchdowns. So do you like, he's obviously a big play deep threat, but Derek Carr throws the ball shorter than every quarterback in the NFL except Drew Brees, who is um, literally was born in the 70s. So do you think yeah, Derek Carr... was not a deep threat? Didn't he catch less deep passes than Jerry Judy? Wasn't he more of like a slant, take it to the house guy? He's a big play threat more than a, than a vertical threat, honestly. Which works in Derek Carr's favor, right? But is that good for fantasy? Like when Terry McLaurin was making noise as a rookie he wasn't necessarily doing that all after the catch. He was catching bombs. Marquise Brown was catching bombs. Like, isn't depending on yards after the catch in an offense that isn't necessarily built around yards after the catch kind of a problem? Well, you could say, didn't Odell do that? Wasn't Odell just like Mr. Slant take it to the house in an offense that wasn't really tailored for that? I, I don't I don't speak of him anymore. Okay. <laughs> DK, would you take, would you have rugs on, would you, do you think rugs is the perfect flyer to sit on the end of your bench high upside lottery ticket? Or do you think he's just like not worth pursuing this year? I mean, I think he's going to get taken before that. Honestly, I think people are going to take him before he's a lot like a last last roster spot type guy. Yeah, I mean, people compare him to Tyree Kill, and like the Raiders have no receivers. Like, obviously, pe- people are going to be all over him. Yeah, uh, so I don't think he's going to be the type of guy that you can take that late. Like, you have to kind of commit to him. Um, maybe like in the tenth or eleventh round or twelfth round or whatever. Um, you know, it's not going to be like early, early round guy. I do like his upside. I do worry that going into that offense, like he, you could potentially even see like a guy like Brian Edwards, who was taken in the third round, get more targets <laughs> than Ruggs just because like the way that Ruggs is used. I don't know how they're going to use him yet, but part of his value, like, like is that speed and his ability to stretch defenses. So is he going to be kind of like a decoy down the field on a lot of plays? Is he going to be a Deshaun Jackson type player? Those are the kind of things that worry me a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I think I probably, again, I probably won't have a ton of shares of him just because I, I do worry about that in year one. And addition to all the, I guess, like variables that kind of get thrown out the window with the coronavirus, you just don't have as much time to prep on the offense. What about those bottom three guys, Rager, Brandon Ayuk, and Denzel Mims? Who do you like out of those three? I actually think Rager has a, a very strong chance to get a ton of targets, ton of volume in that offense. Um, and it's kind of, it's, it's, Similar to rugs, I guess, but um, I think the the fit is just a little bit better in terms of like he, he's going to be the immediate deep threat in that offense. They really, really missed that last year. Well, they have Deshaun Jackson back, right? Uh, yeah, that's that's true. But he's like, you know, I, I wouldn't say he's necessarily reliable. He's um, getting older. Alshon Jeffries made a glass and there's really no one else. Yeah. So this is Zach Ertz. I would put Rager and, and rugs in kind of a similar tier, I think both like high upside guys that you could get later on in the draft. Um, I like Brandon Ayuk a lot for San Francisco, but so like number one, great fit, like perfect fit. He's going to get yards after the catch. He's going to same deal. Like what we were talking about, Ruggs. He's going to take a slant and he has the ability to hit a home run with it. Um, the volume in that offense is what worries me. The, the, the amount that they pass is they, they don't pass very much. They run far, far more. Um, like that's just kind of their identity. Plus he's behind Kittle and Debo. I think the Niners might pass more with if their defense gets worse. And I think that there could be value there in the passing offense. And I also think because so much of it's about running after the catch and that Shanahan does such a good job of getting guys open 
I'm optimistic about him actually being a contributor. Yeah, me too. I like Ayuk a lot. Tell me about Mims, Craig, because I know you've been dying to Mims. talk about Mims. I don't know why I like Mims. I I watched all these guys highlight tape, and I, Mims just was like this. I mean, he's he's big, but he's not that big. He's like six three. He's not like six five or anything crazy. But I don't know. Every single highlight is just him battling another dude for a 50-50 ball, and he caught all of them. And I was just like, I love this. I, I, Here's my question. If every highlight is him battling for a 50-50 ball. No, no, no. It's not because he wasn't open. It's because the throw was bad. Okay. But like, I'm just saying. Isn't well, he's the also idea, got like, Sam Darnold, so it's not going to be like... <laughs> isn't the idea someone's like, you know, not near you? Isn't that like the goal of being a receiver? Like to get far... Like it's not vertical like leaping. It's like being horizontally far away from the person. You're right, but it's not you. like those were all on deep balls. Is when I, it was more like red zone, like eight yard corner of the end zone fades where he would just like dominate people for the ball. And like, I mean, we got Brashad Perriman, Quincy Anunma, Quincy Anunwa, who's like, does, is his neck he's all right? Not gonna, he's not going to play, I don't think. And then Josh Doxson. So it's like, if anyone could lead, the, I mean, out of all of these guys, Denzel Mims might lead all of them in targets. Yeah, and let's not forget about Jamison Crowder. That's true. Jamison Crowder on the slot. I'm not optimistic that Adam Gase is going to institute an offseason program to get Denzel Mims up to speed with anybody. <laughs> like at some point, there's an organizational so who's, aspect who the of who's gonna going to be organized during Jets. Look, what is organi- what is running in a, like a remote or- organization at this point, if not like being a personality that can kind of, you know, like handle like everyone doing remotely? I don't really trust Adam Gase to run all these like Zoom meetings <laughs> with the Jets offense. Okay, I don't know about you. If Sam Darnold throws the ball 400 times, who is he throwing to? Yeah, I mean, he walks into a big, he, he walks into who a is, lot of Literally, Danny, tell me, who is he throwing to? Perryman and Crowder. I think Crowder and, and Perryman. I, think I don't Mims think Mims. Too. I, I like Mims. I think they got a good value in him because they traded him back. I think in real life football, they did a great job getting him. I'm a little concerned about the jump ball stuff because I just, whenever I hear contested catch, I just think he's not getting open. So DK, I don't know, to me, I, it open. makes me think of Mike Williams, who's like been actually pretty good. I mean, famously the most frustrating fantasy player in the league the last two years, Mike Williams, that guy. Yeah, but every time you watch him, it's like he gets a 40-yard touchdown every game and he just dominates people. He's just like a, a rebounder. Yeah, because you watch him on red zone and then you watch the whole game. And you're like, oh, like, why isn't he ever open? He never makes the job easy. I like Mike Williams. DK, can <laughs> Denzel Mims get open? <laughs> DK had him in the first round. DK had him as like his fifth wide receiver. I had him. I think I had like final I, on my mock draft. I maybe had him in the first round. I yeah, was, I think he I, was your fifth wide receiver, maybe sixth. On uh, my rankings, I believe he's like six or seven. But regardless, I think he's a good player. I think that Danny's concerns are valid, though. That, and I think that's probably why he fell down boards a little bit. His tape wasn't as good as his postseason, like pre-draft combine and and Senior Bowl would indicate. Like he, he, I don't know if a lot of people had him in the first round before he went to the Senior Bowl. Coming out of the Senior Bowl, he looked awesome. Like he was incredible at the Senior Bowl. Literally the number one star at the Senior Bowl. And then he blew up the combine, ran really, really fast. But I think teams are still trying to kind of like reconcile his tape, which Craig, it was absolutely littered with awesome catches. But I think he still has to kind of like learn the route tree. He he ran like go routes and slants. Like he just, he wasn't running a ton of routes. Um, So I think that both of you guys are are right in some sense. I think it sucks that he went to the Jets. I I admit that. That blows. (laughs) I mean, well, the volume is going to be good, but here's, here's what I could, here's like kind of how I see it. He, he's, he's taking a very similar track to Terry McLaurin in the sense that McLaurin was a big star at the Senior Bowl, ran really well at the Combine, still somehow fell to the third round because he didn't have strong, strong tape. Like, he just wasn't... the It wasn't the most outstanding tape. So teams, I think, were a little bit reticent. He was also a little older. Denzel Mims was a senior. But it, so isn't like, McLaurin's he, thing speed? Yeah, so what I was getting at was McLaurin was awesome as a rookie because he walked into a situation where he was, like, the de facto number one guy I think Mims could legitimately be a sleeper pick to have like a McLaurin type rookie year just because he has that speed. He's got a direct path to volume. And I think he's very good and he's going to be very good in like the red zone because he has that talent to be, you know, like that jump ball guy. I don't think he's going to be like, he's not like a, a, a technician type route runner who's going to get open on third downs for Sam Darnold. Um, there's going to be a ramp up time for him to learn how to be like a pro receiver. But those two things, his deep ball prowess and his red zone prowess, I think give him a chance to be kind of like a surprising rookie. You compared him to DJ or shades of DJ Chark, right? Yeah. 
Okay. I just came back from the future. One of these guys, one of these rookie receivers was top 20 in the NFL next season. Which one was it? In fantasy points? In fantasy points. Top 20 among receivers. And up as a starter. Who are we doing? Half PPR, PPR, 0.75. What's the rules here? Half PPR. <laughs> top 20 receiver. Tell me which one it was. Craig, what do you think? Henry Ruggs. Oh, wait. Are we talking... Who's in this group? Lay out the oh, any rookie receiver. Any rookie receiver, I'm going either Judy or Jefferson. Yeah, Jefferson. You are nice correct. Too. No, I have no idea. I don't know. I just made it up. Um, <laughs> I'm okay. just worried that Judy's got Drew Locke. And it's like Right. I think Jefferson has a sneaky he has a sneaky route to being the top scoring uh, rookie receiver in this class. Yeah, because there's nobody else in the damn this Vikings. Year. This year. That's really interesting. Okay. DK, thank you. You have been the dark knight of this draft process. You have saved Gotham. We've all <laughs> turned take you a vacation, in our time DK. of need. I know. Yeah, dude, DK, seriously. you need some time off, dude. Why don't you go somewhere? Um, oh, right. no, there's this um, hop on a little, plane. There's yeah. this little thing happening right now. that Rome, know. I hear, is just beautiful right now. <laughs> uh, okay. Thank you, DK. Thank you, Craig. Thank you to everyone for listening. Please stay safe and healthy, and we will be back next week. It's fantasy season, guys. <laughs>